Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. We absolutely love giving you the show every single day, Monday through Friday, for free. But uh, it's not free to produce. And if you'd like to keep the show on the air, we ask for your support and become an EPP. When you become an EPP, you'll get more than 23 bonus episodes of the show to listen to. These are exclusive episodes that are only available to our EPPs with some of the best stories we've ever gotten on them. Please help keep Real Ghost Stories online on the air. And become an EPP today, an extra podcast person on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. You get all the extras and the knowledge that you're keeping this show going. Please and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855 853 4802 or writing at real You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Tonight, could the terrifying visit in the middle of the night actually have been a healing presence? A new friend made during a vacation may actually have been a long-deceased local. Could a bar at the site of a century-old tragedy be haunted by those who perished? And while having drinks with a friend, a listener noticed a woman who entered the room but never left. And who else saw this mysterious woman? Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hi. Hi. You were you were late by 0.02 of a second saying hi. I know. I know. 0.02. I was trying to get comfortably in front of the mic. How's the doggy doing over there? She's running around eating your Kleenex. All right. Hey, look. She's in the garbage. Get out of there. <laughs> She'll find all sorts of fun things in there. <laughs> Rappers, deliciousness. Uh, yeah, so we got some interesting stories here tonight uh, on the show. Very excited about some of these and some interesting calls. And uh, we're going to kick off the show tonight with actually a caller at 855-853-4802. That's our phone number, by the way, uh, that I know you have been excited about hearing. And I'll just let the calls, should I let it speak for itself and do an introduction at all? or No, we'll just go with the call. And then we'll talk after. Yeah. Okay, it's a caller in North Carolina. Here we go. Yeah, one time I was um, hanging out with my friends and we decided that we was wanted to go do the uh, old urban legend that was around in North Carolina. Supposedly, there was a uh, plant plantation where a guy lived beside, and on like Christmas Eve, I believe. He supposedly killed his whole family and then killed himself. Well, after doing that, they demolished his house after a few years or so, and then they supposedly put the floorboards of his house up on up underneath the bridge that led to his house. Well, 
me and my friends decided to go down to the bridge and supposedly the myth of the bridge is that you pull onto the bridge and you're supposed to go into the middle of it and for some odd reason your car, you turn your car off and for some odd reason you try and turn the ignition back on and it wouldn't turn on at all. Well, we go down there and we get on the bridge and we sit directly in the middle of it. Well, there's pretty much probably 50 yards front to back between both sides of the bridge and we try and start the car up while we're in the middle of it. The ignition won't turn on, the engine won't turn over or anything. So at this point, we're freaked out like crazy. We don't know what's going on. Some of us are saying get out of the car and go push it off the bridge and everybody's scared, not wanting to even move anywhere. Well, a few of us get out, get out of the car and start pushing the car off the bridge. And once we get the car off the bridge, we get back in and we try and start it up. Well, we get it started up and everything. And we wonder why would the bridge not allow the car to start up. But as soon as we get off the bridge, it does. We go up the road a little ways to where the house was tore down. And the plantation is... And all of a sudden, we pull into the driveway, and it, we hear a sound like we just hit something. Well, one of the driver gets out of the car, goes up to the front of the bumper, and looks at it, and he's looking to see if there's any animal or any damage or anything. And there's nothing on the front of the bumper at all. All of a sudden, everybody, and I start hearing in the car old classical, like, carnival music playing in the background and I mean we're in the middle of the woods I mean there's nothing around us old country town and everything I mean there's no way this could be playing in the woods from some house and we would be hearing it well at that point everybody else I I tell them and ask them if they hear the music well a few other people hear the music and a few people don't hear the music we get back in the car and just haul ass out of there and get back to our house. And after night, after that night, we probably did, I think we didn't even sleep for two days straight. But um, I appreciate it. You have a good one. Thank you for calling in and uh, sharing the story. Did anybody recognize the story? It's the one that I read. It is. Yeah, it's yeah. about the the urban legend part is mm-hmm. not an urban legend. It's true. It's about the Lawson murders. Yeah. But I had put a, you know, kind of the word out before I was even writing that story that if anybody had any ghost stories pertaining to that, that I wanted to hear them. So finally we got one a little mm-hmm. bit late, but that's okay. Sure. And you read that. That was like, that was our Christmas episode, right? Is that? Yes. Okay. I was on our Christmas episode. Okay. I actually took all the research that I had done and put it into a point of view from one of the daughters that was killed sure as like a ghost telling the story yeah but the actual events happened and they did take those boards and put them into a a bridge and stuff happens on that bridge he's not the only one (laughs) it's messed up it is messed up what's the creepiest part to me is the idea of being in the middle of the woods Mm -hmm. and hearing carnival music that doesn't surprise me at all because they gave tours. The brother and uh, the brother of Mr. Lawson, Charlie, yeah. 
opened up the plantation, which was actually a tobacco farm, to people to come and tour after the murders because it was so famous this man killed his entire family. So he opened it up and charged admissions. So carnival music is pretty appropriate. And I'm sure that they played some music. It was literally like a a sideshow act, except they they couldn't move it around the country. Yeah. I'm sure if they could have, they would have. But my God, that's just... The the old carnival music, when I produce haunted house radio ads at Uh that time of year, I really do enjoy making them, and especially the ones that have like a a carnival theme to them. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of them. There's one down in Miami that that I produce stuff for, and uh, it's... uh, all you know rides and everything and you essentially you take carnival music and you kind of you, you change the tone of it a little bit sure you kind of make it a little bit wavy so it's a little bit off pitch here and there and you do that and there's nothing creepier no there's just i don't know and i don't know why that is because it's such i mean it's intended as happy music how is it that i mean was it creepy back in the day when when that was like you know kind of your only form of you know, hearing music outside of a radio, if you even had a radio or a record, or was it, is it one of those things where it's just the, the aged sound of it to our ear uh-huh. makes it sound so creepy? I think it's the aged sound of it, but I think it has even more impact to you because carnival <laughs> music equates to clowns, yeah. which equates to your biggest fear. Yeah. So it all kind of ties in. Yeah. Today. Cause there's plenty of people that creepy carnival music. Yeah. Okay. But that's no creepier than like the, the, I don't know, the soundtrack to, like, Halloween or something. Yeah, I mean, even, like, non-messed-with carnival music that hasn't been, like, pitched around mm-hmm. is still creepy. Like, going to the circus, even that music, where it sounds normal, still kind of creepy. Yeah. I, I don't know, I just, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I'm not alone there, and some people are like, ah, get over it. No, it's just one of those, one of those things. It's why I like the, uh, the zombie ghost clown. But our caller didn't leave his name, so caller in North Carolina, thank you for mm-hmm. calling in with that. If anyone else has any stories about that uh, that bridge, we would yeah. love to hear them. Yes, it's uh, and if you if you want to reference back uh, to Jenny's reading of that, if you're a new listener to the show in the last month or so, uh, that was on our Christmas Day episode, I believe. Yeah, and um, I think we called the episode Christmas Massacre. Yes, that is correct. So you can go back there and uh, and listen to that episode, and uh, you got a lot of positive reviews on your. Uh, your reading of A Christmas Tale. Yeah. <laughs> it's not quite Charles Dickens, but... Not uh, at all. <laughs> <laughs> but just as uh, warm and fuzzy to, to read with the children around the uh, the Christmas tree. <laughs> if you'd like to scar your family for life. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Of course, you can always write in your Real Ghost Story to us as well on our website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Cypher uh, writes in Hi, Tony and Jenny. This is Cypher again, the writer about the Monster House. Ah, that was an episode a couple weeks ago? I think it was closer to a month or so. Okay, yeah, I lose track of time. It was a good episode. Anyway, continuing on, I'll share a few stories with you tonight. So a little background before I begin. I'm currently living in Clovis, California with a good friend of mine whose name is Booker. We've known each other since 2009, and I can say he's truly an awesome friend. We're currently renting out a four-bedroom house together and looking for roommates to fill up the empty spaces. The house has wood floors, beautiful interior, and it has enough space for any young adult. My room has double doors, and when you first walk in, my bed is to the right and my gaming station is to the left. 
Further to my room, I have my writing desk and an office chair that squeaks so loud when you sit on it. I describe my room because it will become useful later in the story. Walking out of my room, you enter the living room, which has couches, television, and retro gaming consoles. N64, PlayStation 1, etc. Really, is N64 considered a retro? I suppose so. It is. PlayStation 1. See, when I think of retro, I think of like Atari 2600. See, we're getting old. That's what it is. N64, I think I, I, it's not hooked up, but it's in the garage. So is my PlayStation 1. I think they're in the same box. Yeah, it's retro. It's got to be got, what is that, 15, 20 years now? Yeah. Jesus. Uh, then to the left of the living is the kitchen, and it leads to the hallway with two rooms. The hallway gives me the creeps during the night. To the length and how it gains no light during the day or night, just a dark hallway in general. So that's the part. Now on to my story. I'll start a few weeks ago, in the month of January 2015, while I was at work during my routes. I work as a courier for a laboratory. My heart felt like it was being squeezed constantly. It would only last for about two to six seconds and abruptly stop. First, I thought I had. Uh, first uh, thought I had was the fact that I may be experiencing a mini heart attack. But then I thought, I'm only 23. Can I truly obtain a heart attack at this age? So, with that in mind, through my eight-hour shift, I called my doctor. He insisted that I go see him the next day. Since I got off at 9 p.m., I went early that morning around 8 a.m. The doctor asked, "Are you stressed out?" Do you smoke? Are you on drugs? Do you exercise regularly? I answered no to all his questions except to the exercise one, which I go running every other day to stay fit. But with those answers, he became surprised, as if I was lying to him. He ran a couple of tests on me and found out that everything was truly fine. I didn't understand what I was experiencing, but he said don't worry about it. He told me if it persisted any further, please call 911. So I went to work right after that appointment, and the squeezes started up again. This happened for about three days. I didn't understand what was going on, and I wanted some type of explanation, but the doctor had no clue. One day after work, I got off around 7.30 p.m. and just went to bed. I thought maybe I just needed to rest more and stop gaming after work. I fell asleep and waited for the next day. Though my slumber didn't last long because my roommate came home drunk while his buddy slept on the couch right outside my bedroom. Booker's friend was loud and didn't shut up and it pissed me off. A few minutes later, Book- Booker went to sleep and so did his friend. His friend snored and I was fine with that because suddenly I drifted off. As I closed my eyes, his phone started to replay this video over and over again. It sounded so creepy because it was on repeat. The video said, hey Booker, don't do it! Then, a roar of laughs came right after. Guessing my roommate did something that he shouldn't have done. Kept repeating that video, and I got annoyed. Though I never left my bed. I so wanted to, though. I finally ignored it and went to sleep. Woke up around 5 a.m. I knew the time because I checked after the incident. And I felt paralyzed. My first thought was sleep paralysis, but what I heard next made me freak out. This next part may sound crazy, but it happened. I was lying on my side, staring at the white marble wall, unable to move. I felt this presence in my room as it walked back and forth. I never felt threatened, but at the same time, I didn't know what was happening to me. Though I started to panic and I wanted to yell out for someone to come and help me, I realized I couldn't say a word. What was strange, though, was the fact I could move one of my legs and that was it. So I tried to hit the wall with my free leg, but to no avail. 
I was truly helpless. I felt trapped in my own room like a caged animal. As I lay there, scared for my life, I heard my chair begin to squeak. It's a sound that became annoying after some time, but it was a free chair, so I kept it. Whatever was in my room sat down on my chair for a while before getting back up again. I felt its presence next to my bed at this moment, and I kid you not, it laid its palm on my cheek as in face. My cheek started to get this burning sensation, and I wanted to yell out for help so bad. It wasn't burning like, for example, a fire or hot pan, but like icy hot. So I started to pray and pray, and finally, it stepped back, and my chair made a squeaky sound again. I was finally free to move my body, and I hesitated to look at my chair. Thoughts raced in my mind. Turn around and see what's in your freaking room. What if it's a creepy-looking demon? Are you ready to handle that? I didn't want to see anything, but my mind kept repeating, You've got to see what's in your room. So I turned, and to my surprise, no one was there. I stayed up after that and played video games to get my mind off the situation. As the day went on after that experience, my heart problems went away. I don't know if that was an angel or what, but I felt healed. Though I was scared, I truly don't know what it could have been. After that incident, I had another visit from a little boy or girl. This time, it was literally three days later, around 4 a.m., and I suddenly awoke. I was paralyzed again, but this time I was facing my chair. There was nothing there. So I became relaxed. But what I noticed was that a little body, seemed like a child or so, was jumping on my bed behind my back. I was lying on my side at the moment. I hopped from my head to my knees like five times and stopped, or it hopped. After the last hop, I finally got strength back to my muscles. Yes, I was counting the hops. Nothing else I could do at the moment. I turned around and no one was there. Just an empty white wall. So from this point, I was tired of being awoken from these ghosts or spirits and decided to come home one day after work and just tell them how I felt. I tried this since it worked in other listeners' stories. I walked in my room and sat on the floor and said, If you guys want to stay here, it's fine, but please do not wake me up during the night because I need to sleep. You can walk around my room during the day when I'm not present. That's fine. Just leave me alone during the night. Also, please do not show yourself to me ever. If you follow these rules, you can stay, and I don't need to banish you. After I said this, I was never awoken again at night. So to end the story, it's been a couple of weeks and everything's been fine and no spirits have been, I've been bothering me lately. I've sensed them in my room every now and then, but they just show up and leave right after. After it died down a bit, my roommate and I received another housemate in which she brought a dog with him named Muggles. Both Booker and Reno, the new roommate, work first shifts and I work second shift, which leaves me, which, which leaves me with Muggles, though it's in Reno's room. Never makes a sound and I'm glad. Reno has moved in for about three weeks now, and Muggles loved being in a new home instead of living in a small apartment. I can say it's one of the happiest dogs I've ever encountered. Though one day, I was getting ready for work, and Muggles started barking and growling like crazy. I was confused because it never did this before it lasted for a long time. I got tired of it and thought maybe the ghosts or spirits paid the dog a visit, or they, I don't know if it's two, maybe one, were playing with him. So I said, please leave Muggles alone. 
At this time, I was in my room, while Reno's room was down the hall, a few paces away from mine. A few moments later, the dog calmed down and went silent. I finished getting dressed, and I sensed the spirits as it entered my room for a few seconds, then left. Guessing it came to say sorry won't happen again. It's been a few days now, and Muggles is quiet as can be. Even though I blast music outside Reno's bedroom door on my way to the bathroom, listening to music in the shower is relaxing, but that's my ghost stories within my home. I'll write it again, but I'll be much shorter, hopefully. P.S. Questions, answers. Tony, Jenny, I am sensitive to the, am I sensitive to the paranormal? And if so, do I embrace it fully or keep it at a distance? Does your podcast skip at any point? Because when I play your show, it tends to skip randomly sometimes. Lastly, do you believe it's the same spirit or two different entities? Also, if you have questions about the stories, no. My roommate Booker doesn't see the ghost at all, nor has he experienced anything. No, Reno hasn't experienced anything either. Muggles is real quiet and doesn't bark at all. And yes, I had experienced spirits before in my apartment with my little brother. Keep up, keep up the good work, and we'll become an EPP soon. Y'all are awesome. Okay, shall we address the questions first? Go. Okay. Um, could you be sensitive? It's possible. And the reason I think it's possible is because you not only you not only have the interactions with the entities, but you can sense when they are in the room and they're not doing anything. I'm just going to go on the limb and say, yes, you are sensitive. Okay. I, I, I'd say without a doubt. Okay. Just because the other folks haven't seen these things, you're not experiencing them, and you're not even seeing them, and you know they're with you. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are sensitive. Okay. All right. Um, and do you embrace it or do you keep it at a distance? That is kind of up to you. It's mm-hmm. it's technically like a skill where the more you focus on it, the more you kind of hone your skill, the sharper it becomes, the more things you start to notice and pay attention to. Or you can try and, and dim your light so less things see you and stop coming at you. Um and I don't know how to do that because I've never really had trouble in the first place with seeing too many things mm-hmm. to where I've had to ever focus on dimming the light. I don't know how that works. I'm not real sure either. I would love to hear someone's story and how they dim that because we, we have a lot of folks who have brought that up mm-hmm. and uh, okay, how do you go about it? And we had a story yesterday yeah. about somebody who, who shut out yeah. their light for the dead. How do you choose to do that is what yes. I'd, I'd like to know. I, I'm sure if someone would like to enlighten us on that, call, email, uh, or uh, start a thread up on our message board. Um, some way of communication. It'd be very interesting to, uh, to hear the answer to that. As far as the skipping, the only thing I can think of you might be referencing is occasionally we have outtakes where we have screwed up so bad we have to stop and pause it, well, and the music doesn't always line up exactly Sure. Right. That that does happen sometimes, and I'm aware sometimes, just, this is a digital recording, we are recording into a computer, and sometimes when you record literally an hour of straight audio, which there are some shows with zero outtakes, it's just a straight up recording, um... For whatever reason, the memory on the computer hiccups for like 0.02 of a second. Okay. Once in a while, we'll... Uh, I think it just did one. In fact, I'm looking at the screen right now, and I think I just witnessed one happen. So... 
And see, there you I, go. <laughs> I just figured it was like times where you say pooping instead of popping or something, and we have to go back no. and stop and start. No, that's it. I just It happens every once in a while. So okay. That is that. Hey, we'll get another computer one of these days. And Although this is a pretty decent computer. I don't know why. Uh, it keeps trucking along. It does truck along very well. So any other questions on there? That we, I think uh, that was. You're good at that. I don't remember shit. Really? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like by the time I got to him, like, uh, what were the questions again? I think that was all the questions. The rest yeah. was just info letting us know that nobody else saw anything. You are my short-term memory. You do realize that. That's why you keep me around. <laughs> and you'll continue to be my short-term memory. You'll, get, you'll be more and more relied <laughs> upon as the years come, go on. Okay. Um, very, uh, very interesting stuff. Oh, hey, by the way, um, someone did answer the uh, the little Easter egg from the, the show probably three or four episodes ago. Uh, salmon salad surprise. Yes, so I owe you five bucks. Gene Wilder and uh, Ollie Hop Noodles Haven of Bliss. Yep. And uh, that is the person who created the Christmas story. Uh, you know, Ralphie, you'll shoot your eye out. Um, and Gene if, Wilder? I think it's Gene Shepard. Is it Gene Shepard? It's Gene ah, Shepard. Ah, damn it. Gene Wilder is a uh, young Frankenstein guy. Yeah, you're right. It's Gene Shepard. Get Sorry. your jeans straight. I get my jeans mixed up. That's why I wear yours sometime, and it's really tight. I mean, it sucks. So. No, he. Uh, there, there was how many different... Uh, installments of that series? You know, there's more than I ever even saw. Okay. Um, I believe there's like four. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if you like the a Christmas story, which I love it. I think it's a great Christmas movie. And I, I've been watching it before it became a cult classic. I was They were all released on TBS. Okay. Um, this is, you know, way before like cable networks were even running their own movies. It was mm-hmm. one of the first cable movies um, in like the 80s, early 90s. Um, and they're based on Gene Shepard's novels. Christmas Story was one of them. Um, and there's, I believe, three other movies that were put out. Um, and for the most part, the cast stays the same in a lot of them. Uh, Ollie Hopnoodle's Haven of, uh, Haven of Bliss is, I think, as close to the Christmas Story as you can get. Okay. Um, it's almost the exact same cast. I think like one or two people are different. Um, and it's, to my, my opinion, just as good as A Christmas Story. It's okay. about Ralphie and the family, same dad, um, same mom, uh, all going to a, uh, a summer, uh, uh, like a, a cabin out in the woods in Wisconsin. Oh, okay. And the roadside things they go to and see, and this is taking place in the same time window, uh-huh. uh, way back. And uh, it's just a hilarious movie. It's just, it's a great movie. It's never been released on DVD. Oh. It's never been re-released on television. I think the last time it was broadcast was like 92. Okay. So the only copies available are on VHS, uh, which on eBay go for roughly $80. Oh, wow. Um, and it's on YouTube, though. But it's it's essentially someone's VHS copy uh, that's been transcribed onto YouTube. So it's a little finicky. It's not the greatest quality, but... If you're a fan of the the movie Christmas Story, watch it. Ten times better than A Christmas Story 2, which is horrible. Um, and it just really, same voiceover. It's it's Gene Shepard doing the voiceover. It's just a really good movie. Nothing to do with ghosts, but hey, I think our audience would enjoy it. Because <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just a historical type piece. Yeah. And it's fun. Um, so, anywho. I believe there's two other ones that I learned about. I had no idea existed. Um, but I've never seen them. I think those are on YouTube, too. But okay. I'd love to see those too. So, anywho, check it out. 
and have a delicious salmon salad surprise sandwich while you watch it. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Meg writes into us, I've had some paranormal experiences throughout my life, many of which have gone unexplained. I've traveled, so I have seen and heard many odd things. I've been taught from a young age to find the explanations to things that might happen, like the fear cage effect. But one of my strangest encounters happened to me when I was a little girl around the age of nine. I was visiting a bed and breakfast on Mackinac Island with my family. One of my favorite places in the world. That's me saying that. Okay. I love Mackinac Island. It is creepy. It is cool. It is relaxing. It's everything all in one. (laughs) a great place. We can talk more about Mackin after the story. I, As I approached the steps, I heard a disembodied giggle. I was scared, so I clung to my mother for safety. But uh, what I was about to hear next haunts me to this day. On the other side of the door, we were just about to open, and I heard frantic knocking and a voice say, Let me out of here. Let me out. It was the sound of a distressed little girl in pain. I was so scared. I ran away from my family. I was unsure as to my location. But when my family had finally found me, I was near an arch. I found out years later that children would go missing near that arch, and every time a child was found, they said that they had been playing with a little girl. The interesting thing about this is the little girl spirit only makes herself known to women and children. That would explain as to why my mother and I could hear it while my brother and father could not. Apparently, my little girl had died at the bed and breakfast. It was also known fact that her parents would lock her up as she was a bad girl. I did not have knowledge that this bed and breakfast was haunted. Now that I'm older, I'd have to say little kid ghosts scare me the most because of that day ten years ago. Thanks, Tony and Jenny, for this podcast. I listen to you every day while I draw. I look forward to the next show. Okay, I tried looking into mm-hmm. haunted bed and breakfasts in Mackinac, and apparently the most popular thing haunting-wise in Mackinac Island is the ghost of a little girl at, like, every place. Every place has a little <laughs> ghost girl. So I couldn't narrow it down because they didn't, yeah. you know, give us the name or anything because I was just curious what sure. the story was as to everything since she said it was kind of documented. Yeah. Just too many dead little girls. So there's a lot of ghost things on that island. Um, I, I I don't know the stories uh, in detail of, of any of them off the top of my head. Um, it's been roughly eight nine years since I lived in that area, um, but it was a place that we used to go to as a kid. Um, I visited there probably two three times when I was little, and then I uh, before I moved here to to Kansas, I lived roughly twenty five minutes away from Mackinac um, in Michigan. So, being a place that I love to go to on the weekends, I just truck up the road, take the one of the ferries over, and wander the island. Sure, and I did that several times when I lived up there for about a year. And uh, it's just a very unique place. I don't know. I've always been drawn to the place. I don't know why. Um, I mean, it is beautiful in summer, um, uh-huh. even in you know, almost any season it is. In winter, you can't really get to it unless on snowmobile, um, and the island kind of shuts down. There are people who live on it year-round. There's a school, there's a grocery store, but that's often a part of the island I've never seen. That's hardcore. I couldn't Oh, yeah. It. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite a place. The Grand Hotel, uh, if you ever want to visit a hotel that 
truly you feel like you are going back in time, it is that hotel. There is nothing else like it. Mm -hmm. Um, Hence, somewhere in time, the movie was shot there. Uh Um, And what you see in that movie is what you see at that hotel. Mm -hmm. Um, And it (laughs) did I ever tell a story of when I was there one weekend? For Somewhere in Time weekend? By mistake. I think you did, because I think we've talked about Mackinac yeah. a couple of times. Yeah, I was I was accidentally, I didn't know it was that weekend. I just happened to be there. All these people were dressed in period attire, and I was not, and uh, happened to be dining in the same dining room as all of these people, and you felt, you could not have, and I probably will never happen to have this experience again, I felt like I was on the Titanic. Yeah, because the dining room looks like the Titanic, just with the pillars, decor, everything, um, and everyone was dressed in that period of clothing, and it was it was really kind of unsettling. I bet <laughs> it was neat, but unsettling at the same time. <laughs> but uh, a neat place. I also used to sneak in to take tours on my own because they charge you to take tours. Okay. Tip. Pro tip for sneaking in to avoid the tours. Oh, don't do this. Ready for this? You're going to get so many people in trouble. (laughs) No, I'm not. Don't do this. Why? Because if they do it, then they'll say, well, Tony on Real Ghost Stories told me how to sneak in here. (laughs) And then I won't be able to sneak in ever again. No. That's true. I shouldn't tell you my secrets. Go through the garden. All right. uh, 855-853-4802. And act like you're staying there. Is the uh, phone number to call in to Real Ghost Stories online. (laughs) That's all you're going to do. That's it. Act as if, and that—that's the tip for almost act as you belong. It's a tip for almost anything in life. If you need to blend into something, mm-hmm. act like you're supposed to be there. People won't question you. It's a very Ricky way of looking at the world. <laughs> Have a, a thing of jalapeno chips in one hand and a little uh, pepperoni stick in the other. Uh, Absol writes in. Am I saying that right? A B S O L. I think so. Absol. I'm not sure. Uh, Absol, animals are one of the primary focuses in my life, and I've been thinking about being an animal cop recently. One of the people who investigate animal abduction uh, accusations and rescue the pets if need be. I feel like I can understand animals, not talk to them, just understand why they do things and how you should treat them in turn. Maybe that's why I was the only one to feel the presence in the house when we went on vacation one year. My mother worked for a rather successful businessman who owned a deal of property, one of which was a ranch house in Medina, Texas. It was set into a wonderful wooded area with a gorge near the side of the house. The river was dammed up to the bottom, but I refused to swim in it for its uh, murkiness. The point being... We were invited to vacation at this ranch, and we did. My mom's boss didn't come with. It was just my family. The house itself was nicely equipped with all of the modern comforts you'd want. Satellite TV, working plumbing with nice fixtures, good insulation, and so on. However, it did have one problem for me. Deer heads were hung on the walls in the main room, and a variety of hunting-related decorations hung about. Deer antler lamps, that sort of thing. I had a horse tail whip on the wall of my room. I wasn't bothered by the decorations too much, and today I would have found them super cool, but I was rather unnerved by the stuffed deer heads. It's like they were looking at you no matter which way you faced. Left my luggage on my bed along with stuffed poodle, the kind of stuffed animal that isn't made with real parts, I'll mention. I went exploring around the house a bit, seeing what's what. When I returned to my room, I noticed something was off. My bag and poodle had been knocked over, but not all the way off the bed, just a few inches bedside. 
I was scared and told my mom about it. She obviously didn't think it was of any real concern and probably assumed I just imagined it. Put it out of my mind, but things got a little weirder later at night. I've always been scared of the dark, and I couldn't sleep. As I sat there all tucked up in bed, I heard something. Footsteps. But not that of a person. It was an animal. I can only describe it as being what I assume is a deer's steps. I could hear the floor creaking under weights, and I swear that something was in that room. Breathing. Moist air brushed past my ear like a horse trying to get my scent, and suddenly the footsteps retreated out of the room and everything was quiet again. I don't remember sleeping at all that night. Must have, however, because my mom woke me up in the morning. I told her the story, but again, nothing really came of it. But then again, I left out a lot of the details. I was already self-conscious about it, and I had basically been convinced that I just dreamed it up somehow. Nothing really happened after that first night, but the experience sticks with me. It didn't help that being on the dot, the stupid toilet flushed at 1 a.m. for some bizarre reason. Though I think that's got a more tangible reason. Do you think animals can leave behind their presence just as people might? I don't believe in ghosts and pride myself on being skeptical, but sometimes I wonder about the shadow cats I saw as a child and the deer I had a brush with. Thanks for putting up with my lame story and keep up the good work. Best wishes, Absol. Not a lame story. No. The only thing I could think of is that you must be a very strong empath because empaths tend to have a really, really strong connection to animals. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like your connection could be even stronger than normal. And I, you know, just because I haven't really, other than the occasional ghost pet story, haven't heard of somebody having like a large animal or like a game type animal come and haunt them I'm not going to put it out there as impossible for you especially with all the deer heads around I mean maybe something that was killed and hung on the wall still lurks around and maybe you're the only one sensitive enough to pick that up my uncle Jim's house would be like the Amityville deer horror really (laughs) he's a big hunter yeah I remember when I was a kid I used to uh uh, when he was living in an apartment years ago, uh, going there and, and I really, I'd never hunted in my life and, uh, I was probably like five and there was just animals everywhere. A big sportsman, they had deer and there's ducks and he got them all stuffed and, you know, put around the house. I just thought it was really neat. It's yeah. like, and I thought he was living with all these animals. I never liked, <laughs> I'm not one of those people that is against hunting because I sure. especially around here I mean shoot I've hit a deer I appreciate people that go out and <laughs> actually a deer hit you <laughs> yeah it hit me it made me really mad but you know appreciate people that go out and thin out the overpopulation okay but I have not really heard of a deer or an animal like that yeah a deer spirit. haunting a I don't know I mean I, I could see it being totally logical. I mean, everything has energy to it. I mean, if if there is the possibility, and I believe there is, uh, of a cat coming back, mm-hmm. uh, or its energy replaying itself, or a conscious entity, uh, there's totally more than likelihood the uh, likelihood of a, of a deer or or insert animal here. Sure, uh, its energy still, I think, moving around. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's going to be, you know, I think a lot of people are going to argue with that one, depending on, you know, religious beliefs and this and that. But uh, 
I don't know. I mean, I, I, I was brought up under the uh, tense that animals do not have souls. Um, really? So, yeah, that that's yeah, that's what I was. You know, like even like mm-hmm. like Lena doesn't have a soul. No, that's that's what I was brought up to believe. I'm not saying it's what I believe now, but that's what I was brought up to believe. Okay. Um, but there's just so much so many stories i mean just as many stories as of people hauntings as of animal hauntings and you know i i think i don't know if if soul is you know i think it's just it's a word that we use to describe energy mm-hmm. you know i think i think we all have it and you know it depends the context you put it in it depends on your beliefs uh without a doubt we all have energy and it goes somewhere yeah and that's that's how i believe you know i think soul is just a, a term that we as people needed to put on that energy and that's how it's used in different religious terms if you will and see i don't think every animal can come back as a ghost but the ones that have a connection or a bond with with a human or a reason to come back yeah Yeah. i think they absolutely can i think they can have bonds with other animals i mean i you know if there's a reason to come i think it's just it's relative to them it's just like not all people i think come in as ghosts it's just it's relative yeah so i mean it's one of those interesting things where if you're walking through the woods um you know and you're rustling off into the side is it always an animal could it be the ghost of an animal uh could it just be the wind it's one of those things you can't really pinpoint but i seems totally logical yeah so I liked it. Yeah, I did too. Thanks for uh, thanks for writing in and sharing that story with us. Our number here is 855-853-4802. You probably already know about our EPP program. That's what keeps our show going. It's essentially the fuel for this show uh, because uh, running the show, uh, having the show online, it being downloaded uh, tens of thousands of times uh, a day, it uh, it it costs money. <laughs> <laughs> to put it bluntly, uh, so to uh, to keep that a going, uh, we we need your support basically. So we ask five bucks a month. Uh, your support keeps the show alive, and we give you a little extra. You can, of course get your free episodes uh, every single day, Monday through Friday. Uh, but we give you an extra episode on the weekends as well, with some really really good stories and access to all of our previous EPP episodes, uh, which now it's just at uh, twenty four. Uh, extra episodes so if you like the show you listen to it you know a couple times a week consider throwing a little bit of the kitty and uh, helping uh, helping keep the uh the sails in our uh, our ship here so uh ryan from pottstown uh pennsylvania writes in good day tony and jenny it's ryan from pottstown i uh, sent in the story about the uh, ghost albino just to clarify the ghost had very pale white skin full body apparition with red eyes the lore I heard prior to seeing the ghost and his devil-like dog said that he was an albino that died in his home on the road and doesn't like anyone traveling down that road. I didn't believe the lore until I witnessed it firsthand. I hope that helps explain what an albino ghost looks like. The red eyes are what I thought was the dead, no pun intended, giveaway. Now on to another story which didn't impact me, but it did uh, impact an aunt and uncle. They bought a bar, which sat below what once was called the Rhodes Opera House. I don't know if you've ever heard the story about behind the Opera House, but if not, I'll give you a quick story. In my hometown of Boyertown, Pennsylvania, in 1908, there was a play going on on the second floor. During the play, a lantern fell over and started a fire. Due to the lack of adequate fire escapes and doors which open towards the crowd, which national laws have been changed that all doors must open outward, 
that led to 171 of the nearly 400 people to perish. Wiped out entire families and changed the town. The casket factory from the town couldn't handle the load of bodies, and a lot of people were put in an unmarked grave at the local cemetery. The building itself was torn down except for the basement. The basement is where my aunt and uncle had their bar. It was around seven or eight when they were running it. They told me that glasses and bar stools would move on their own after close. One time a glass levitated off the holder, which had a lip on it, fell to the ground and broke. Numerous other activities had happened until my aunt and uncle sold the bar. I think some of the 171 people that perished from the fire still actively haunt the place. I got more stories to share at a later point. Awesome show, like always. Thanks for the show. Ryan from Pottstown, Pennsylvania. Okay, I looked into that, and... I want to go. Horrible event. Yeah? I mean, just awful. Thankfully, it seemed that they ruled that most of the people that died, died very quickly. Mm -hmm. That the fire spread extremely quickly, but because the doors opened in with all the people panicking... Mm -hmm. They couldn't get out. People sure. wouldn't back up enough to let them out. That's why there's all these restrictions now. It's because yes. of all these... There's so many horrible theater fires from yeah. back in those days. I mean, because you literally had it being lit by lanterns, mm -hmm. fire lanterns, and then all these people in one place. What could possibly go wrong? And this was the one that was actually <clears throat> the straw that broke the camel's back where they said something's got to change. And yeah. so they, they instituted a number of law changes. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, just just a really good place for a rum and coke. <laughs> I don't know. It, it just I don't think I'd be able to go there and relax with a rum and coke at all. Not quite like you did at the Pirates House in Savannah. I didn't go to the bathroom there. No, you didn't. You should have. You should have walked the restaurant. I didn't want you, to. You got to really see the whole thing. Yeah. I, I did. Uh, it was. It was I no no no. I really didn't feel very creeped out. You could tell the history there. There's an interesting part, and I didn't stop and look, but there's like a pit, like in the dining room. A pit? A pit. And I'm guessing it's probably has some authenticity to it. It's kind of played up. You look down at it, and it looks like there's bones in it or something. So I'm thinking that's, you know, somewhat for show, but there may have been some originality to it. We have a lot of folks in that area that listen to the show, so someone can fill us in on that. But I didn't stop and read the sign because there was a family with young children right there <laughs> eating their dinner. <laughs> you didn't want to be a weird I'm guy. <laughs> I'm going to stop right here and read the sign. Um, but no, I did make it all the way to the back to the bathroom where we had some of the letters that have come in and stories. And I took some pictures in the bathroom too. I took some pictures even in the mirror. Um, took some pictures when I was going to the bathroom. You were really was, fishing, weren't you? It was kind of awkward. And, uh, Jeez. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, and uh, I got nothing in the pictures. And I didn't really, honestly, I didn't feel really anything in the place. Did you? I didn't feel anything bad. No. Did you feel anything at all? No, just old. Just felt the energy was very old there. I, I felt bad for the 23-year-old who was dressed up like Captain Morgan. Yeah. Walking around, you know, and... I'm sure the, the little kids in the restaurant really got a kick out of him. You know, it's like, oh, look, here comes Kaya. Hey. <laughs> so my first thought, because he was originally on the porch and went into the building. Yeah. I thought, there better be some weird guy dressed up as a pirate when I get in there. I'm going to flip out. Was it Captain Morgan, supposedly, who was there? Was that the, the lore of that? I think there was a connection. Yeah. I believe like one of the original stories we had way back uh -huh. was that. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. But for a split second, I thought that better be somebody dressed up as a pirate 
because he, he literally had the captain. It oh, wasn't yeah. like Captain Hookout. It was like the guy in the rum bottle. Yeah, and, and he was going in, and I just yeah. saw him. And I, at first, I was like, oh, shit. Here <laughs> thought, we go. At first, you thought you were seeing something? I did. And then I was it's like. It's a ghost with a really bad fake beard. Okay. Well, I only saw it for a second. Sure. I thought, okay. Okay. It's better be a touristy pirate. It was. It was a touristy pirate. It was. And they were damn expensive rum and cokes, I must say. $14 for two of them. And they were like, they weren't even big. There wasn't, it was not a double or anything. It was, we didn't need them that bad. No. <laughs> we were the only ones in the bar. Uh, yes. It was, a, it was a fun trip. It was great. It was. It really was. Uh, let's go to Emma's letter. Hi, Tony and Jenny. I've always loved paranormal stories, and I love the show. I honestly think it's the best one out there right now. I recently moved to York, England to live with my boyfriend. It's an ancient British city with a long, bloodied history and is uh, reputably one of the most haunted cities in England. It was originally built by the Romans, and many of the roads are still of Roman descent, and even one of the pubs in town is a converted Roman bathhouse. There have been many sightings of Roman legions spotted in cellars in some of the older buildings. The city is still surrounded by a 15-foot-high stone wall with battlements that are still open to the public that were used to defend the city from the Normans. Legend has it there's a church door that still has the skin of a priest on it who was brutally attacked by marauding Vikings who inflicted a punishment called the Blood Eagle on him. They nailed his insides to the door. My story happened about a year ago when I'd gone for a night out with my friend from work. Went to a bar called the Evil Eye Lounge, which is located in the 17th century Rabbit Warren-style four-story high building. I wasn't drinking that night, as we were poor from just moving. I and my friend sat in a small, square, empty room at the top of a flight of stairs. We were chatting when I noticed a young woman walk into the room from the stairs. I didn't look right at her as I was deep in conversation, but she didn't look anything out of the ordinary. I noticed she was wearing white, but I couldn't tell you anything else about her outfit except that. She walked past, brushing against the couch I was sitting on. I continued to talk to my friend, but felt uneasy as I knew this girl had walked behind me, and it was a small room. She hadn't sat down, so I wondered what she was doing standing behind me. I could feel a presence of someone there. My friend noticed I was distracted and asked what was wrong. I whispered, what? what's that woman doing? Quietly, not wanting to offend anyone, to which my friend replied, what woman? We both looked, and there was no one there. It freaked me out. We looked for a staff door or something she could get out through for an obvious explanation. I cannot understand how I saw this person, and my friend did not in such a small room. I know there's a story about a store across the street where a young girl died falling down the stairs in a Victorian period, so I don't know if this could have anything, anything to do with this. I don't think I'm especially sensitive, as I've never seen anything else ever, but I don't know if I would want to. There are plenty of other ghost stories of York I could write back in with, but I've already bored you long enough with this essay. Keep up the good work, guys. Emma. I want to hear more stories from York. I want to go to the UK and visit with our listeners there and go on some tours. Oh, gosh. I would love that. That's a little bit more than a weekend trip. Yeah, it is. (laughs) That would be fun, though. We can start planning for it. In about 10 years, we'll have enough to do that. So we can (laughs) plan on it that way. We have a lot of listeners over there, so I'd love to... uh, to get over there at some point in time. Yes, definitely. 
So uh, thank you for the story. Really do appreciate it. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. For some reason, that number does work uh, for some folks in the UK. In some places, it does not. I don't know why. Uh, anyhow, uh, it does. We have calls from England. That or, some, or just, you know, send us a story through the yeah, website. Or go through the website. Of course, realghoststoriesonline.com. Uh, let's go to uh, another caller before we uh, wrap up the show today. Uh, which one? Two-minute one or eight-minute one? Well, that's up to you. We have time for an eight-minute one. Okay. Let's do with this one. Hi, you're on the air. Well, hello. Uh, first, I want to say I love you guys. I have to listen to you every day at work. Yes, I have to. I love hearing your voice, and I love the stories. And um, I decided to call in with my story. Um, First, I, I have to say that my family has had so many things happen. So, but I'm just going to start with myself. Um, so, when I was younger, about, I say about 13 years old, well, when I was 12, my grandmother bought a house for the family. And I say family, myself, my brothers and sisters, and those five of us, and like my cousins, and like, you know, it was a lot of us in one house, maybe 17 people in, like, this seven-bedroom house. And it was beautiful. And, um, you know, we were happy and everything was good. And the guy who she bought the house from, um, he was an older guy, an older uh, white guy. He was about, I want to say, in his early 60s. Um, and I remember he looked kind of creepy to me. He was about 6'4", bald, but like gray, and he had these piercing blue eyes. Anyway, he said that he had a fire that took place and that he needed some repairs and stuff done to the house. Him and my grandmother were kind of, you know, friends. She burned everyone and everyone liked her, and he needed some extra help, and he suggested that, you know, that I help or that she had anyone, and he was fine with me coming to help out, and it was myself and my cousin. He was, he's two years older than me, so I want to say he was about 14 years old. So we go, and we go help him for like five bucks an hour. So we get there, and we will wash, like, the some of the screens, and like, he took down the kitchen cabinets, which nothing looked burned. It was completely clean. This place didn't look like it had a bit of smoke, not even the kitchen or the, the stove. So we thought that was odd. And, you know, I kind of go home and we joke about it because our family joked about everything. And we thought it was funny. And it was some extra cash. And I wasn't, I don't even think I was really old enough to work. So it was really nice to have the extra cash. And then, you know, I would go, I think, a couple of times out of the week. And I remember he would, like, on the weekends when I would go, and it'd be early in the morning, he would eat this weird stuff. Like, he would eat, like, this, it looked like grass and, like, these nuts. And for me, I don't know if I was just younger and, like, junk food or what, but it just looked odd to me. And I remember questioning him about it. He always had an answer for something. Okay, so now... You know, as I'm working there, I start having, I start seeing these things at home. Like, I remember, and I didn't put these two things together until, like, years later. But at home, I, I was, I had the bedroom upstairs, and I would be on the phone. Back then, you didn't have cell phones. It was like, the early 90s. I would be on my phone, and I would see, like, these 
dark shadows. Like I, it was a bunk bed. I was on top on the top bunk, and I would see like these dark shadows, like kind of going through the door. The door is shut, but it's like these like it was like a blob, like a black blob. And they were like just go through the crack of the door and like come in and come out. And at first I thought I was seeing stuff. I didn't think nothing of it until like I, you know how you really look at something and I'm like I know what I'm saying and it started creeping me out. And I remember. After after for so long, I, t- I told my grandmother about it, and she decided to move me downstairs. She's a very rich woman, so she decided to move me downstairs, close to her. So there was her bedroom, in the middle was the bathroom, and then where I moved, it, which my sister had moved out, was my new room. So we continuing to go. Now my mom decided to take take uh, part in this, and my sister which she is nine years older than me. So they're, of course, they're older. My cousin, he stopped going. So we're all there, and my mom and my sister are so curious, like, so just, uh, my mom has passed away now, but such big personalities, and I remember us being there. And then they got, like, wanted to see well, what else was down in the house because he never wanted us to go in the basement. Oh, and I forgot to also say, the reason why, also the reason why they came is because I remember one day he said, oh, you should take a shower. I have awesome new clothes. It was a shop up the street. And he said, oh, you should take a shower. And I took a shower, and I remember going home and telling my mother my mom and my family that, and they were like, you know, we're, you know, they should go with you. And so that's how they ended up with me at this at his house, making some extra money. Why I say, I don't know. So they get curious, and we decided to go in the basement where he never wanted us to go. Oh, I should say this too. One of the, we used to meet him in his office. It was a big, like a big office, and he had like this, these weird candles and stuff hanging on the side of the, in the corners. And I remember there was a spider there, and he said, and we were scared, and we we're like, kill it. And he's like, no, we don't. I don't kill spiders, because he said that he was a warlock. So that's when we were like, because my family is very superstitious, and they believe in all of that stuff, and we had a lot of voodoo things happen to us. They're really in tune to that stuff. So when we, when he said that, we were all like in shock. That's when we got curious, and we went downstairs in the basement after he left. And I remember we went down there. It was so creepy because everything was covered out. It looked like it could have been a fire down there. It was so creepy. It had like all this stuff, like this furniture that was covered up in like white sheets. And I remember we went to in the back room. It was like this not even so much the back room, it was like off to the side and it had like a curtain over it. And i never forget, we pulled it back and there was a doctor's office in this man's place. It had a table, like if you were going to the doctor, to the doctor's office, but right in the middle of it was like a drain. He had like needles, like just medicine things, like cotton balls and just stuff like you're gonna do surgery. So I then remember um, he came back, and, like, when he came back, he we ran upstairs, and he was so angry. He was, like, his face was fire red. His eyes were so scary. Oh, my gosh. And I remember he was so angry. We had to ride home with him, and after that, I would have these dreams in the room, my new room, of, like, being in a bed and, like, witches and all of this stuff like just over me and I was falling and falling and I remember my grandma giving me a bible and having me read a script and then put the bible under my pillow 
um, and had to open where the, the, the script I read and put it under my pillow, and that's how my dream stopped. We stopped going to this guy because that completely scared us, like, so bad. But after that, like, seriously, my family, it seemed like it just completely fell apart. Not even three years later, my grandmother died, not, and a year after that, my mom passed away. And then um, I ended up moving with, you know, moving out of the house and moving here to the place I'm in, not so completely different state. So I'm not sure, you know, if he had anything to do with any of that, my dream, well, the the, um, the dreams I was having and also the shadows and then, like, the fact that he was a witch, a warlock, and, you know, it's just all, it's really creepy. Um, well, I have more stories. I hope you enjoyed that one. Okay, so he was a warlock slash borderline pedophile if he wanted you to take a shower at his house. Yeah, I'm thinking that's uh, not the... Uh... I don't just I don't know. I just don't have a good feeling about that. And then the whole doctor's office in the basement, that's terrifying. He's a warlock pedophile with a doctor's office in the basement. Is that going to be his theme song? New This Fallen Fox, the wacky warlock pedophile with a doctor's office in the basement. That's terrifying. <laughs> what happens when four kids... That'd be horrible. That's awful. Yeah. That's... Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, here's my thoughts on that. Just just an overall thought on, on an individual like that. Somebody who... Borderline pedophile. Uh, or or maybe just is, you know, we don't really know. Though, but, yeah, you kind of get the vibe. Yeah. Um, dark things tend to attach themselves to dark people. So I could see, uh, other than just, you know, his conscious horrible decisions that he's making mm-hmm. uh, and inflicting on other people, I could see there totally being paranormal things surrounding this individual because of the dark things he's carrying out. Yeah. So, yeah. Ugh. And on that happy story note, yeah. <laughs> that wraps up our broadcast day. <laughs> <laughs> Here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Uh, thanks for listening. If you like the show, please consider supporting it, becoming an EPP uh, on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. You know how all that works. And if you don't, well, click away and you'll find out. It's only five bucks a month. Get some bonus episodes and keep our show afloat. Check it out at realghoststoriesonline.com. If you've got a ghost story, let us know about it on the website as well, realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 